This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast on Monday, November 27th. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving here on a victory Monday for the New York Giants. It's rare, so we're going to go ahead and wear the jacket. It's nice to win one. Every once in a while. It's not to feel nice not to feel like your coach is totally incompetent. The Giants and Chargers have the same number of wins this season. The Chargers quarterback is Justin Herbert. The Giants quarterback is an undrafted free agent who lives with his parents. So go Giants. Uh, but we're here to talk about the New York Yankees. The hot stove heated up a little bit at the end of last week. And this morning, Sonny Gray goes to the St. Louis Cardinals. The Yankees are thinking about Jordan Montgomery. The Mariners make a big trade. That might clear the path for a Glaber-Torres deal. We're just trying to assess where the Yankees sit ahead of the winter meetings. And it's pretty much the same story it's been for weeks. If they hit big, good job. If they don't, the plan Bs are a struggle. Plus, a little bit of fake drama in the strange Yankees Twitter story of the week at the back end of the podcast. But thanks for joining us live on the stream. Thanks for joining us on the audio. If you did not hop on the stream, there's still time. You can come get us right now. We're on the Yanks Go Yard YouTube channel. Streaming here every Monday and Thursday at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Guest or no guest, we will be here. The audio feed goes up right after the live video goes live. I'm saying live. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us as always, Thomas Carinante, especially. Thanks for joining us in the crowd as well. But Thomas, before we get going, you've got a special offer for viewers, listeners, and uh, just people stumbling upon us. Yes, sir. What's up, everybody? Uh, Yanks Go Yard is partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give new users a first deposit match up to $100. You can head on over to sleeper.com or download the Sleeper Daily Fantasy app. Um, Make sure to use our code. It's fansided2, the number two, when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify um yeah we got uh what did we get today we got some news kicking off winter meetings are next week but Sonny gray starts things off with a three-year 75 million dollar deal with the st louis cardinals um probably makes sense to just talk about this for a minute and then move yeah. on but yeah what are the implications here i mean it was never happening with the yankees probably a good deal for the cardinals but i think it helps the yankees a little bit with uh clearing a path for um, bigger pitching targets, even if it's not Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who uh, we were scared for a second because Derek Gold of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had said that the signings of Lance Lynn um, and Kyle Gibson were uh, signaling that the Cardinals were perhaps preparing for larger offers to Japanese players. Yeah. Um, the Cardinals have five starters right now. I know it's not the most inspiring rotation, but you just invested all that money. Don't know if a 200 plus million dollar investment in a starter um, is next in the cards for them. But I mean, I don't know, not going to rule it out. I think it just helps that you get a big name off the market. It goes to a team that's desperate for pitching, um, connect the dots. And there you have it. The rumor is that the Cardinals are not done, but they're looking at bullpen arms and arms on the trade market. Mm. So none of that should concern the Yankees very much. Uh, it sounds like Tyler Glass now is in play there. It sounds like Dylan Cease maybe could be. Of course, we know the Yankees and Cardinals match up really well on outfield trades, utility player trades. Uh, does this take them out of, say, a Clark Schmidt for Brendan Donovan sweepstakes? I don't think it does, but I definitely right. would say they were looking scary for Yamamoto before the Sunny Gray deal goes down. It was in our rundown. We were going to talk about it. There was Derek Gold's report. There was... Uh, you know, Lars Newtbar played with Yamamoto on Team Japan. He and Nolan Arenado flew to Japan after the regular season and before free agency opened. Newtbar was golfing with Yamamoto. All signs pointed to there being sort of, hey, maybe there's going to be a tug of war between most money versus best relationship. You know, we don't know. We don't know what he favors. We know next to nothing about Yamamoto except for that he's probably not going to sign until after the winter meetings pending craziness. His, his current plan is to meet with some people virtually this week, then after the winter meetings, set up the face-to-faces with the finalists. All of that meaning, I would say at this point, it seems pretty safe to be able to count the Cardinals out of that mix. Now, this isn't like the Padres and the Yankees in the Juan Soto chase, where it's like, hey, the Mariners and Cubs and Yankees might all have the high-end arms that the Padres covet, but only the Yankees want to give them up. Anyway, you do that information what you will, where Jeff Passan pretty much like, 
eliminates the Yankees competition. This isn't like that. The Mets are always the Mets are going to be at the forefront of the Yamamoto chase. The Red Sox are going to be at the forefront of the Yamamoto chase, if not the very front. The Yankees have, you know, every team is is lining up seemingly to pay Yamamoto between 200 and 250 million dollars for his services. But after giving Sonny Gray a very smart top of market three year deal, 25 million a year, nothing confusing, no weird deferrals, no fourth year to lower the AAV, just age 34, 35, 36 for an ace who feels like a good fit in St. Louis. It's a good signing. Uh, he he wasn't an option for the Yankees, but Yamamoto certainly was, still is, and this would presumably take the Cardinals out of that chase. I would be, uh, I'll, I'll just say, I would be stunned if they do end up making a move for Yamamoto after all of this. They they do have, they have a full five man rotation. Any acquisition of a pitcher will have to come with a Stephen Matz trade or something like that, which they could do, but he's not going to be involved. You know, you're not going to dump him for pennies and then sign Yamamoto. You're probably going to trade him and attach prospects and get glass now. So I don't know. The, the Yankees' path towards getting Yamamoto got a little bit clearer today, but only in, in the fact that one of the potential, like, oh, that's an interesting spot, fits fell off the board. Not in that the Mets are out, not in that the Red Sox and Dodgers are out, not in that he said anything to indicate he's interested in the Yankees. We just lost one team along the way. You no longer have to connect those dots. Yeah, you lose a dark horse. I always feel that's a good development. You don't want these teams lurking in the shadows and then striking when you least expect it, Um, especially a team like the Cardinals. Pretty historic franchise. Like They have a good roster. I don't know what happened to them last year. I don't think no. – uh, like, who knows? I, I don't – it's just a curse year. Um, But, you know, a smart player like Yamamoto might be able to overlook that. I don't know. I wish there was just – why isn't there – a candidate like Sonny Gray, there aren't more candidates like that, like a nice three, four year deal right in the 90 million, you know, mm-hmm. right, right below the hundred million threshold mark. Why isn't there more of that? Um, more 33 year olds should be hitting free agency. Think of all these 26 year olds asking me for my entire payroll life or just my life. Yeah. Here is it. Be with me for the next 12 years. We're signing, you know, Trey Turner's and or Bogart to 11 year contracts. Um, yeah. it's good for them, but like, what what fan wants to be wed to a player or a group of players for that long, um, especially when you know the back half of the deal is uh, going to be ugly or full of aggression or whatever it is. So yeah, Guaranteed um, bad. Like, that's how that works. You're signing someone who is guaranteed to be bad in the future, but you're doing it for a good reason, but they're yeah. still going to be bad. Yeah, it's it's tough. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know who else would fall under the, the, the bucket of um, being in the shorter-term – Outlook, I, I like the trade market if the Yankees can make a move. Um, you can't sign everybody. They already have two players at the top of the rotation that take up, what, $500, uh, $500 million when you combine Rodon and Cole uh, pretty much. So, I mean, you add Yamamoto into the mix, you're not signing anybody else. You're probably going to have to look at um, Dylan Cease if you're into that, Corbin Burns if the Brewers are going to uh, – I guess, decide to move off of him. Um, uh, th- I mean, we wouldn't get glass now. I don't want glass now anyway. That's no. uh, a Yankees injury nightmare waiting to happen. Um, and, you know, the trade market isn't the, isn't the most robust right now. So that's why the Yankees have to move fast. And if they are truly in on Yamamoto, they got to, they got to close this deal um, as quickly as possible or else you let, you know, the Mets hang around, you let the Red Sox hang around, you let the Dodgers hang around um not going to be good and we know that the you know looking at all the payroll situations for the other teams yeah the Mets have an ugly situation but Steve Cohen will figure it out and if he doesn't figure it out he's not afraid to spend the money Dodgers have a ton of flexibility um you look at their roster too like they could get rid of 15 people tomorrow you wouldn't even know who they were yeah and they'd be able to just revamp everything and just get a whole new team together no contracts tied to them beyond like 2026 and those two contracts are Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, so that's not not even a talking point. Um, Red Sox fairly flexible as well. You got a new voice in the building in Craig Breslow, um, and there is a desire there for them to be aggressive and, uh, I guess, do better by their fan base after whatever the hell they've done the last four or five years. So if Yamamoto is the guy for the Yankees, it's it's got to be a done deal because man. I looked at those athletic plan B's earlier, right before the podcast, and holy shit, that is a bleak, bleak time 
if we miss out on the top, or at least if the Yankees miss out on the targets that they want, just the next crop of guys is is sad. It's sad and scary, and it will be a very unenjoyable 2024. Well, let's talk about all that because ahead of the winter meetings, I think I thought we would get a little bit more clarity on the Yankees' plans. But honestly, the, the assessment of where the team stands right now, it's still heavily weighted on these big names. Like, you know, that that's why yeah. it's so hard to, to you know, d- diagnose all this stuff because uh, if Juan Soto is available, the Yankees must trade for him. If Juan Soto is not available, then there's nothing the Yankees could do. Uh, so will that go down at the winter meetings? You know, probably sooner rather than later, but it's not going to go down before the winter meetings. So the Yankees are going to enter that GM summit at, with with that big old fish dangling right in front of them. Like, hey, if Juan Soto is available, congratulations. You need to sell whatever it takes to get Juan Soto. If Juan Soto is not available, you're going to be looking at Max Kepler for corner outfield. You're going to be looking at Jorge Polanco for middle infield or whatnot. Like boosting your lineup is going to be much tougher to do uh, if you do not have Juan Soto in front of you. Soto and Yamamoto remain just the two easiest, clearest, best fits for the New York Yankees. And so they're going to be focused on Yamamoto entering the winter meetings, but he's not signing till after the winter meetings. They're going to be focused on Juan Soto and everything winter meetings, but he might not be available at all. The Padres are reportedly still going back and forth. It kind of feels like a coin flip there. So other than that, uh, they're not signing. You know, Sonny Gray was not part of their plans. Glass now ceased not part of their plans. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez not part of their plans. Apparently you're supposed to be eyeing the Braves in the Eduardo Rodriguez chase. So I've heard Kenta Maeda goes. Why not cease? Dylan Cease? Yeah, why not? I don't know. Not why not. I just haven't heard them connected to him. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, St. Louis and the Braves and the Dodgers. They, they can get in. They can get involved. But I don't think that they are so far. So um, what can happen ahead of the winter meetings? How how will they position be positioned at the winter meetings? They're going to trade Kyle Higashioka still because yeah. they tendered him a contract. He's not making it to opening day. And. I think that, you know, the Bowers trade and the roster machinations last week were probably, other than a surprise Agashioka trade, the last thing we're going to see before they actually touch down in Nashville December 4th to try to get some business attended to. I think they're going to be talking to the Cardinals as soon as they get there. I think they're going to be telling everybody their intentions on Yamamoto, and they're going to be going on MLB Network and saying, you know, balls in his court. We love the pitcher. We've made our feelings pretty clear on that one. They won't eliminate themselves, I don't think. I doubt you get the Brian Cashman Grinch moment where a man in a costume is standing behind him and he's like, Shohei Otani has told us he hates us. Like, I don't think we get that with Yamamoto, but action before the winter meetings, like from what we've heard, Otani might sign ahead of the winter meetings, but I don't think that clears up a Yankees log jam per se. It just changes our lives for the worse. If he goes to Boston or Toronto and better, if he goes to the Dodgers, we're not involved there beyond that. I don't think anything else big is getting done. I think Otani goes, this weekend, I think Eduardo Rodriguez goes today or tomorrow. And I think that second tier of starters, you know, Sevy's going to find a home. Frankie Montas is going to find a home. But beyond that, I, I'm not expecting any blockbuster Yankees moves over the next week. I just think their offseason is dominated by these looming suns above them that have to get themselves sorted out. Yeah, I, I really hope. Otani doesn't sign before the winter meetings because that's to me and my that that's a disadvantage to the Yankees. If one of these big market teams that's in on multiple guys is able to secure Otani before the winter meetings, that's going to allow them to shift their focus to other important moves. Yeah. Whereas instead of the winter meetings having Otani be the focus and the dominant conversation where all the suitors who are truly interested in him get together and that's where they got to. That's where you got to focus your attention. If you're in on Shohei Otani, based on everything we're hearing about, I guess how he wants the interviews to go, uh, how he doesn't want any of the um, the meetings to leak, um, mm-hmm. and all that. Like, you need to be putting in all of the necessary work to get him to sign on the dotted line, um, because it's obviously not about money. He's getting his money. The the price isn't going to matter. Obviously, I think yeah, when you're reaching a certain threshold and um, I guess maybe he likes in in theory two destinations. Yeah, there might be have to there might be a bidding war at that point. But on the surface, he's gonna narrow down who he wants, and that's gonna be the end of it. So um I really don't I don't know why he would sign before the winter meetings. I guess just to 
not be part of all the chaos, but it'd be really beneficial if that didn't happen. So the Yankees can actually be able to focus their attention without all these other interrupters. Um, but yeah, at, when talking about these bigger names that, you know, you just mentioned Yamamoto, uh, Soto, um, even Bellinger, uh, the athletic mentioned Otani as like, you know, a possibility. I just, there's no, there's no chance. Not, like there's no, I chance. would bet. Yeah. I would bet any amount of money against, against that happening i would bet otani's entire contract whatever it is yeah. <laughs> and then i'll as soon as i get that money i'm gonna do a three-way parlay unfortunately <laughs> literally i 500 million dollars of my money i'm going to sleep the daily, daily if fans. the new york yankees are in the shohei otani chase and, and come out the victor then uh, i i will owe the world 500 million dollars and that's fine <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will pay any amount of money for these plan B's to not be part of the Yankees. Uh, yeah, hit me with the plan B's because I oh think I suspect we're doing like Dylan Carlson shit again. Which Not even that. It's worse than that, in my opinion. Cool. Um, you got Jung Ho Lee, who I think we like, but cannot be the guy. I like him, but it's just such the vibes to me are so similar to Dice K and Kagawa. Like yeah. mi- missed out on Masataki Yoshida last year because the Red Sox outbid everybody. And oh, look, they got a 300 hitter with solid power who's a lefty. Oops. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, we'll go with defense first, singles hitter Jung Hoo Lee for $55 million out of Korea, who, like, I think is a good player, but I thought Kaga was a good pitcher in 2006, and I was fucking wrong. So <laughs> um, I don't I'm know. Like, it, it, there's a chance. I just, I do think like a Stephen Kwan type of singles hitter with five to 10 homer power would be beloved by a certain sect of the fan base. And like Yoshida is beloved in Boston. And so there, there's definitely a chance Lee shows up and hits 320 in May with two homers and a certain segment of fans go wild. But I, I, you know, if you're going to commit, just make sure you're committing to the right pieces. Yeah. Look, I'm not against that signing. Um, I'm not against that either. Yeah. It's just depressing if that's your, okay, we got to do this. And then that, that that's the end of it, uh, especially because, again, you're missing out on the, the two or three guys ahead of him. And then it's you're, you're essentially settling. Then you have um, uh, Candelario. <sighs> nice fit at third base, they claim. I guess if that's uh, if you need another well, he's a switch hitter, right? Candelario. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that's like if you lose out on the lefty bat. You go, um, you go Lee and Candelario, and then I guess maybe you uh, keep DJ LeMahieu off his feet a little bit more, or Anthony Rizzo off the, off his feet a little bit more, and and be a little bit more flexible in the infield. And then there's Teoscar Hernandez or Jorge Soler as outfield options. Um, again, that is fine. I have enough players. Those are righties, righties. Number one and number two. You're looking at the Yankees situation. We have looked at the Yankee situation extensively for quite a while. We don't need to keep telling you guys what the reality is. But the reality is this. They are not very good. Getting middling free agents is not going to help. I understand that there is a certain school of thought that says, hey, if you add a couple of different players, you don't have to add superstars to every position. I think we're big believers in that. You had a couple of players with different profiles. Um, you get a really good defender. You get – um, uh, a contact hitter, you know, aggressive hitter, and that changes the complexion a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd certainly agree with that, but that can't be at the expense of losing out on your desired targets. I think that should be a supplementary plan to to the larger picture. But you know, that this being your fallback and being like, all right, this is what twenty twenty four is going to be. That's that's terribly depressing. And then on the pitching front, obviously, they talked about um, potentially miss, missing out on Yamamoto. Um, you got Frankie Montas and Erod as the people who are mentioned here, which and is I, insane yeah. to me. Well, yeah, I know, we, know well. who, we know who they're actually chasing out of those two. Like, yeah, no. And then you have uh, Montgomery, which I guess let's talk about that because I couldn't disagree with this more. Um, there is there's rumor going around that there is this link between um. Or the, I, I guess it's a report because there's been multiple established writers that have been talking about it that the Yankees are interested in, in a reunion. Um, kind of would be crazy because, like we talked about previously, they couldn't maximize him. They had the chance to extend him and not um, pay 
top dollar for uh, his, uh, I guess his, the latter part of his career um, and his, his first ability to, to get a payday. Um, and you let somebody else reap all the benefits and go on a world series run. And now you're going to pay all that money for him. I'm not opposed to it. I, I, I know I just said I'm opposed to it. So I'm an idiot, but I'm not at the end of the day, if they signed him, I'm not going to start yelling about it, but let's not, let's explore other options and pay top dollar for, you know, maybe uh higher profile names or, um, kind of these depreciated assets as Yankees that maximized elsewhere. And now we're paying the price for somebody else getting all the quality out of it. Well, this link that you're talking about between the Yankees and Jordan Montgomery, is that just somebody checking out the baseball reference page? It's like, Oh my God, guys come over here. He used to, <laughs> he used to play. I never believe this. Isn't that crazy? He used to play for the Yankees. That's nuts. Um, yeah. I think like it's exactly what you said. It's like good fit. Uh, everybody got their screen. Also wasn't a good fit. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't a good fit when he left. He wasn't a good fit when he left. Uh, I mean, last week, uh, he was, you know, when everybody was screaming in October about the shutouts on the road, it, it, this is the roller coaster of baseball fandom, right? Um, everybody's screaming when he shuts out Tampa on the road. Everyone's suspiciously quiet when the Orioles kind of kick his ass in the playoffs. Then he destroys the Astros, and it's, oh, my God, this guy couldn't even crack the Yankees rotation. Then he's maybe the Rangers' worst starting pitcher in the World Series. Like, it's, it's up and down. Jordan Montgomery – is probably a three starter with you know visions of a two starter and, and occasional visions of a four starter. That's baseball. Um, somebody's going to pay him a lot of money this year, and and I think the chat is right. I think he gets around Sonny Gray's AAV, like twenty five million, but he's he's getting five years. Jordan Montgomery, at least I five. He, years. I think he's getting five years and somewhere between one twenty and one twenty five million. And, I guess uh, I would do that. I mean, I guess I would do anything. I but guess I would do that, guys. What's the link? What What's the connective tissue here? After the team just went on, went on record and said he won't be in our playoff rotation in 2021. Oh, whoops! Now he's been in somebody else's playoff and World Series <laughs> rotation and doing it on the road, and now we're interested again. Like, unless Montgomery reached out and was like, "Hey, remember when you blindsided me with a trade right when my wife was supposed to start a, a medical residency? Well, she's still in New York at that medical residency. So if you could sign me, that would be great because." <laughs> My wife still lives here. Like if that happens, then sure. Then there's stuff that's bigger than baseball. But I would just be very surprised if Montgomery got smacked around, disrespected, found himself elsewhere, learned how to pitch under Mike Maddox. And then was like, you know where I want to go back to is the one team where it hasn't worked. Yeah, I it, it's go. It, you go back to the playoff comments, you go back to the blindsided trade and then it's like, Oh, now we're paying 150 million for the guy that we didn't think was going to be a playoff starter and the guy that we disrespected on his way out. So um, I guess for uh, like quality player purposes, I'm not against it, but for vibe purposes, I'm kind of against it because it goes against everything the Yankees were saying or doing. Um, and uh, again, it's, it seems like, it seems like a wasted use of funds because they already had it here. Uh, honestly, if you, if, if they approached Jordan Montgomery about an extension in 2022, they could have probably got him for 75 million bucks, 80 million bucks. I, I'm not, I mean, is that, yeah. does, does that sound crazy? I don't think that that's great. And I'm not, I, I don't, I, I'm not really a proponent of that. I'm not sitting here being like, Hey, make sure we sign everybody below market price. But when you have the chance to do that, because we didn't know what Jordan Montgomery was. And the only reason we didn't know what Jordan Montgomery was, was because the Yankees weren't able to unlock his, the best of his abilities. So when you're sitting there looking at a guy pitching, you know, three, eight ERA, you know, you're hovering around four, like guts out certain performances. It doesn't really give you that much length. You're like, okay, back end starter, uh, you know, number three tops. It feels like here. That's 75, $80 million if we were to judge the market appropriately. So you had it there. You could have had him for that money. And now you're going to pay double, more than double that to after you kind of made yourself look like a fool. I don't agree with it. But if it happens, it happens. Welcome back, Monty. Um, I don't know if he would be – I don't know if he'd be open to it. It seems like uh, he had a lot to say. I don't think he was necessarily negative about it, but – he was asked a lot of questions about the Yankees, a lot of questions about the new settings he was in and in, in both St. Louis and Texas. Um, and I, I, you look at St. Louis, like you couldn't have gotten, as we mentioned earlier, you couldn't have gotten a more toxic 
disappointing, crazy situation than St. Louis in the first half of 2023. He didn't have anything. He didn't have any bad things to say as he walked out of that door when they traded him to Texas. He had good things to say. He talked about how, you know, they helped him, uh, you know, with his arsenal. They helped him with um, his game planning. They helped him with his development um, and his growth at, at this stage in his career. So, I don't know. I did. There's there's a lot here that go, that goes against the Yankees making this move, um, especially when you have somebody like Yamamoto, 25 years old. That's probably where you should be investing most of the money. You're going to get the most prime years out of that. Um, so yeah. And then I think who else was on this list? Who else did they have? Is there one more? You know, it's funny with the Montgomery thing, though. It's sort of become this common, like, accepted thing. Like, oh, man, he earned himself a huge raise by finding himself in St. Louis and Texas. He earned himself a raise, but he didn't earn himself a huge raise. He The going rate for what he was when he left the Yankees, like you mentioned, was, you know, 150 to 200 innings starting pitcher, innings eater, solid 3-4, 3839 ERA. Like that would have cost 75 to 80 million dollars and now it's going to be 120 to 125 million dollars. It's it's more money, but it's not like you went from someone you can get for 4 years 30 to 100 120 million dollar arm. He was already someone who yeah. the reason he was traded, there are many reasons he was traded, but at the time the discourse was already starting like by the way, Scott Boris is this guy's agent. Like he's not going to undersell him. He's going to sell him at the, he's going to, he's going to preach Montgomery's value to interested teams. He's probably going to reach free agency. And when he gets there, Scott Boris is going to say, don't to a team like the Cardinals, ironically enough, don't you need 165 to 170 above average innings? Like who doesn't need that? Look at your rotation from last year. Look what you got. Adam Wainwright's throwing 85 innings with a 584 ERA. Like, don't you want Jordan Montgomery? Don't you want to just be able to bank on something? He's already had Tommy John. This is your guy. I feel like he was probably an $80 million extension candidate. And now that he's reached free agency with slightly more of a resume under his belt, a year and a half, he's going to make a little more than that. But he was always going to be oversold slightly. Now it just feels like a better contract because we've seen him in October. Yeah. Um, starting pitching. Yeah, you're right. Like the, the, the rates are the rates. They, they, they don't go down too much because it's, it's probably the most steady asset you can have. If you get somebody who's as experienced and, you know, Jordan Montgomery's fairly consistent, even when he was not, even when he was not atop his game in New York, he was still a guy. I think most teams would take and pay the money for, like you get the stability, you get somebody who, you know, is going to provide X or Y, and then you go to sleep at night and you're comfortable with that. Um, another option on this list was Shota Imananga. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't know much about him. Um, I'm not. Again, I'm not opposed to any of these signings. Um, but the, I guess, third most sought after Japanese player in the mix here with another one of these other position player backups that was uninspiring um, that, that, uh, that just, it just wouldn't sit well with everybody. And then it would be, you'd have the pressure game on all these newcomers, which I hate. I hate it because it's already hard enough to play in New York. It's already hard enough to play professional sports. And then you come in, you don't mean to do anything as a free agent. You're just coming in. The Yankees signed you. You just want to play some baseball. You have these elevated expectations um, which is why we were very much against the Brian Reynolds trade last year because it was going to cost a lot. It's going to place all this unnecessary stress on and pressure on this guy who got traded here. He, well, he didn't even make the he didn't even make the conscious decision decision to sign here. Um, and then you run into a situation where it's like if you're not performing right off the bat, you want to talk about the vibes being at an all time low. We've seen it happen many a time over the last few years here with guys who have not met expectations, whether it was trade deadline acquisitions, offseason trade signings, whatever it may have been. So I don't want, you know, like the plan B or C group to come in and then have plan A expectations on them because the impatience is boiling over from the last few seasons, um, which is why you need the marquee signing to carry part of that burden, because I think someone like a Yamamoto or a Soto know what that's like. They know what it is to be the superstar, the centerpiece, um, the, the center of attention, you know, Yamamoto having all that international experience. So you need that to accompany maybe some of these other supplementary moves. You can't just have a piecemeal plan BC off season here. 
Um, and I, I think that's something that is really important for the Yankees in 2024. A hundred percent. And that's why the big dogs are going to hang over everything they do until those situations are resolved. Like they're not in the Otani mix. They're very much in the Yamamoto mix. Uh, Mistranslation has hit the the Yamamoto conversation as if this couldn't be a more complicated free agency. We now have like agent to Japanese media, Japanese media to English media, which results in nonsense like last week when a bomb went off that said Yamamoto demanded to play with another Japanese star. And everybody's <laughs> making their very funny jokes like, oh, Kyle Higashioka, come on down. Yeah, definitely not a racist joke for sure. Good joke, everybody. Keep making those. Um, but the Yankees don't have a Japanese player on the roster. They're panicking. People are like, sign someone, sign him in Naga. Like, uh, whatever you have to do. And then it turned out he was just saying, uh, his agent Joel Wolf was saying that he would play with another Japanese player which is important, which is also important information because Japanese stars often don't want to team up. It's a culture thing. Sometimes they don't want to share the locker room. We actually don't know if Otani's like that. Like we, we The Red Sox might have been out months ago. We have no idea. But Yamamoto apparently will play with a fellow Japanese star. So don't count the Mets out. Don't count the Red Sox out. That's important information. But we briefly were told he absolutely demanded extra Japanese superstars in the locker room. And that just was not true. So we're, we're going to be contending with stuff like that until that's resolved. Andy Martino keeps saying the same thing. But don't said. forget, Andy Martino's plugged in, right? If he knows one thing, it's the Yankees and Mets. He says, Yamamoto intrigued by the idea of playing for the Yankees. Mm. The Mets will go hard. Mm. The Red Sox will also go hard. That's all we know. And Yoshida could be a factor and Senga could be a factor. Mm. And the Yankees are going to, the Yankees are probably going to be a finalist. Probably. Don't know. Knocking on wood they'll likely get one of those coveted meetings after the winter meetings are over, but they can't bank on that. They can't bank on Juan Soto being available. They have a difficult challenge underfoot this year of trying to build a competitive world series roster. Like you said, from a place where the team isn't very good, there are not a lot of sure things on the roster right now. There's no savior. You're not drafting a quarterback, right? You got to bring in a lot of talent in every area Good tweets this week, too, reminding everyone the rotation's also not good. Because I think people are still saying, like, rotation not a problem, bro. Got to fix that lineup. No kidding, we got to fix that lineup. It was awful. But the rotation also behind Garrett Cole, they had, like, the 20th best ERA in baseball. Yeah. Rotation also bad. Everything that could have gone wrong with the rotation did. Carlos Rodon was one of the worst pitchers in baseball. Shouldn't have been, but he was. His stuff plus says he'll revert back to the norm next year. Great. Want to take that bet? Want to shake hands and take that bet? Tell me right now, Carlos Rodon's going to be in lock, locked in number two next year. I don't think you do, do you? I don't think you feel comfortable there. Nestor Cortez made 12 starts last year. Couldn't get out of the fifth inning in most of them. Had the same shoulder injury twice. I thought he was an offseason surgery candidate. <laughs> you know, my fears are not quelled there. No. Um, Anybody feel confident Michael King is on this roster opening day? Not if Juan Soto is available. Anybody feel confident Clark Schmidt? What is Clark Schmidt? We're all giving Clark Schmidt participation points for a 4.58 ERA and like a good June and July in a season where we all agree we had no fun. Like I'm glad Clark, <laughs> I'm glad Clark Schmidt was pretty okay last year. Yeah. But the Clark Schmidt stuff feels a lot like every, every fan base – no matter how bad the roster is, just gets attached to these players who are like, fine. Like Red Sox fans being like, just put Hauk in the rotation, Whitlock in the rotation, sign an ace, and we're good to go. It's like, why are you putting all these guys who are in your shitty rotation back in your rotation? That's not <laughs> what it feels like when Yankee fans are like, put Clark in there, obviously. It's like, I think you could maybe stand to improve on Clark, too. Yeah. He's a solid number five. He's a swing man. He just threw his career high in innings last year. And, and yeah, Fernando in the comments saying Nestor Cortez is cheap. I don't want to get rid of any of these people. I'm just saying you can't look at the rotation and be like, no problems there. That's good to go. Yeah, It's not good to go. It's it's pending bounce backs and injury history changes and, and linear and, development, which is what we struggle with. Yeah, and hopes for linear development and hopes that Michael King in September is exactly what Michael King looks like in April. The best case version of what the Yankees cobbled together last year would be pretty good. But last year, they were 20th in ERA. They weren't good. So you could sell me on upgrading anybody. You're, you can't ignore the rotation entirely. Oh, Matt Blake will figure it out. 
the prospects will come in. The prospects will come in and contribute right away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think at the very least, the, the problem with the Yankees rotation is that they, they have very few known commodities. Um, yes. And I even, I even think that um, you could argue Rodon is an unknown commodity because of his history with injuries. Um, he's had two and a half great seasons. Uh, nothing, you know, that's not going to get taken away from him, but he's not, um, you know, he's not, uh, I guess even, he's not even like a Kyle Gibson or as someone who's comparable, more comparable, like an Aaron Nola, like Mm -hmm. he was paid to be what Aaron Nola is. And he's not, he career wise, he just isn't, he does not have the longevity. Um, he doesn't have the consistency with, uh, finishing in Cy Young races, um, there's a lot more potential or, you know, dreamy scenarios there than there is actual tangible uh, production. Um, then you have Michael King, who was never able to start before this year and then happened to pop into the rotation because the Yankees needed starters and he performed well. And I think that that's good. Um, so but I mean, now you're looking at a full workload of Michael King for the next yeah. year. Well, how do you how can you possibly project what you're going to get out of that? And yeah, I think you're totally right on Clark Schmidt. I was really happy with what Clark Schmidt did. The Yankees invested a lot of time and a lot of resources into developing him. Um, do we wish it was better? Sure. I think we had much higher hopes for him when he was initially coming up uh, a few when he debuted, he debuted in 2020. So it's been a while now. It's been that was four seasons ago he debuted, and there was a lot of high hopes for what he could bring to the rotation. And yeah, you're looking at him, and it's like great number five, number six, someone yeah. who can do a little bit of both for you. Spot Tanner Houck, Tanner Houck, the same yeah. thing. Oh, we'll, we'll be good with Houck in the four spot. You're building an okay to bad team. You won't yeah. be okay with okay pitchers anywhere. Um, Michael King, the starter is to me uh, the Leslie Mann drunk drunk driving scene in Four-Year-Old Virgin. That fucker came out of nowhere. Like, (laughs) why is Michael King a starter now? It's great, but it wasn't in my plans until August. Uh, Leprechaun in the comments bringing out that the Yankees pitchers in the farm system have high-quality and highly-ranked stuff. It's true. Baseball America, per their metrics, said that the Yankees have, objectively, the third-best pitching farm in Mm. baseball. Uh, second best in terms of whiff percentage in the zone and second best in terms of chase rate. The stuff is so good that it gets people to chase and it gets people to swing over pitches that are theoretically hittable down the middle. Great to have a great farm, having a fantastic farm full of pitchers like Will Warren and like, uh, and Chase Hampton and Drew Thorpe. These are people that I like a lot. And I like the returning Louis heel. The comment section is talking about, I like all of these names, but if you are like, Hey, you know what the rotation should be? Chase Hampton, Drew Thorpe, four five. I'd be like, <laughs> okay, best of luck. You know, no yeah. prospects, no prospects. Just nobody is going to steal a rotation spot on a World Series contender with a strong spring. That's not how it works. No, and uh, you, the best case scenario is you have one of those guys maybe compete for a five spot, or one of those guys compete for a spot on the team where they are utilized as a spot starter, long relief option, um, but they cannot be factored into the rotation. And I think it's even even with m- commodities that have proof, uh, some proof behind them, like Schmidt and King. Like I, I can't project what they're going to do next year. Even Nestor. Nestor's had one full good year when you combine everything. Like one in 1.25 full year. I love Nestor Cortez. Yes. Um, I love him, but like there is, and you, you factor in the shoulder injuries, a lot of uncertainty there historically has not given length historically has struggled with his stuff and his command and his location, got it all together for a little while. Now injuries have impacted it. I think, you know, what happens when guys who don't have a long track record of success get injured more times than not, they revert back to the struggles that plagued them in the first place. So I'm, I'm desperately hoping that doesn't happen with Nestor Cortez, but you have to be a realist and understand that that could very well occur. And then the Yankees are down another starter. Um, or, you know, you always have the looming, uh, the looming worry that because there was no surgery here, does that, does that have further complications at risk as the year goes on? I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what the injury was. I don't know what the medical assessment was. I don't know if he for, 
for for went surgery and decided to rehab it or whatever. But yeah. you know, that's that's another concern. So yeah, to look at the Yankees rotation and it's nice to be optimistic. If you want to be optimistic and think that these guys, some of these guys are going to take the leap and you think we have four guys who can be in the rotation all year and give 130, 140 plus innings, then okay, cool. But you can't sit here and tell us that we can't use one or two additions there. Um, whether the maybe one high profile addition, one lower level addition where someone can bounce around between the two spots. But yeah, there's a lot of question marks it's upsetting. I wish it wasn't like that, but yeah, we, we can't be, we can't be looking at the rotation realizing that it was mostly carried by Garrett Cole all last year and then be like, no, nah, it's fine. He'll probably, again, Garrett Cole's probably not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Love Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole won me back over the last two years. Very in, in very convincing fashion after I was, uh, I was very critical of his signing the first the two, three years here. Um, and I don't. It's hard to replicate a season like that, especially in in, in today's in today's baseball. So there's, uh, I understand that there there's a lot of uncertainty, but that needs to be baked into the into the projections. And even if we, you know, feel confident in the guys we're bringing back, we literally have to fill a rotation spot. Luis Severino was yeah. here last year, and and is no longer. So you know he he dragged out. He dra- blew up that ERA for sure. A lot of the reason the Yankees have the 20th, whatever, best rotation area in baseball, it's because of him. But he, he's literally gone. So you, you can't even run back that same group of guys with any form of confidence. You need Yamamoto. You probably need a lower-level depth signing as well. And you're not going to get him until December 8th, 9th, 10th, or 11th. So you're going to have to really buckle up, do some work. I would recommend – I would have liked to sign Kyle Gibson. Now, they would never have done that because he's from – he lives in St. Louis, went to Mizzou, and they offered him a contract early in the offseason. So, yeah, no kidding. It didn't actually take a genius to figure yeah. that one out. But everybody laughing at the Cardinals with big needs for signing Kyle Gibson, 160-inning, 170-inning guy, mid-fours yeah. ERA. Like, yeah, that's that's fine. The only worry here would be he wouldn't have enough opportunity with the Yankees. They would probably fill those extra innings with a Randy Vasquez, you know, these four-inning guys that Matt Blake is all about. Um, while we're talking about trades, though, I, I think it's probably worth revisiting the Glaber Torres talks. We all know, we think we know, he's probably going somewhere by opening day this spring, this winter. $15 million on the books, projected ARB salary. It's a lot of money. We've been through the finer points of this before. Um, only bringing it back up because the Seattle Mariners need to tell us what they're doing, what their intention is. They traded Eugenio Suarez midweek last week to the Arizona Diamondbacks for nothing. For a 99-mile-an-hour throwing reliever who's erratic and walks people, That's I think every system has 12 of those. And Sebi Zavala, backup catcher, maybe a third-string catcher, who kills the Yankees. I watched him homer in Yankee Stadium in the – Probably the worst Yankee game I've ever been to, the the smoke game, the wildfire game against the oh, White Sox, yeah. where wow. Lucas Giolito almost no hit them. I don't know why I did that to myself. Sebi Zavala also <laughs> homered in the Field of Dreams game, but that doesn't mean he's worth trading for Eugenio Suarez. That takes money off the Mariners' docket. I believe right now they're operating 40-plus million in payroll below where they were last year with Teoscar Hernandez departing and this trade, et cetera. So the Mariners were in on Torres last year heavily rumored they ended up going with colton wong to fill that second base vacancy now they've got a lot of money to go around they could easily absorb 15 million dollars for one year of glaber torres or they could be slicing payroll because they intend to get worse so they need to dictate to me soon are you cutting payroll to make room for something or are you truly cutting payroll and taking an embarrassing step back in the playoff race after you extended luis castillo like after you made an all-in move, trading your prospects and extending the ace you got because you theoretically intend to compete, are you cutting money for somebody? Because then Glaber Torres would be a fantastic fit. Maybe you just were dissatisfied with Johan Suarez and think you could do better. Or are you taking money off the books and taking a nice vacation to Tijuana? Because in that case, Glaber's not coming. You cross Seattle off. And Luis Arias and... Uh, Josh Rojas will be third baseman and second baseman for Seattle next year. And we can all say, oh, what could have been? I wonder if they'll trade us Luis Castillo this time. Yeah, this is, this is interesting. And now, uh, now my, uh, now my brain's going because MLB.com uh, on Thanksgiving, weird day to publish this, but mm-hmm. had six bonkers blockbuster trades that would bonkers. send yeah, bonkers that would send the hot stove season to overdrive. Um, 
I think some of these are good, but if you look at um, the hypothetical deal that they have on here for the Mariners and Soto, really gets you thinking because mm-hmm. it would cost them. They would get per this article Juan Soto and uh, reliever Tom Cosgrove for pitcher Bryce Miller, Jared Kelnick, and uh, the Mariners' top ten prospect shortstop Ty Petey. Mm-hmm. Don't know that yeah. guy. Early um, pick last year. He's good. Oh, okay, cool. So you look at that, and they just cleared some salary. If they're looking at – and they were mentioned as a Soto suitor even by Jeff Passan, so I think that that holds a lot of weight. Um, If that's the package, then they're going to have leftover package to make a deal for Glaber Torres, which is a a trade I think the Yankees would probably want to make, especially if they get um, the salary relief and have – a couple of other deals in the chamber lined up, um, not of the Pablo Lopez variety that magically get uh, erased at the buzzer. But, you know, if I think if the Mariners – weird situation right now, you're right. You zoom back and you're like, what What are they doing? They just what made all they? these kind of win now – they've made these kind of win now moves and now they're not. Um, on the flip side, I think that – uh, at the very least, they're getting ahead of what's to come at the winter meetings, clearing out, you know, players, assets, whatever that they don't entirely want or view as part of the bigger picture moving forward, um, or at least for just a let's go for it in 2024 and win it all. Um, and they set themselves up for a Soto Torres situation. Um, I think that could be, I think that could be huge. But then again, I don't know what the Mariners are doing. Also, on uh, uh, while we're on the conversation, if this is what the package is for Juan Soto, um, the Yankees better outbid that with two extra prospects and just end the conversation. The Athletic came up with a uh, prospect package um, for uh, Soto and the Yankees. Uh, very, very underwhelming, at least in my opinion, based on um, based on I guess what we've seen uh, to date. Um, but it was uh, – hang on one second. I pulled it up here. Um, Pereira, uh, Clark Schmidt, Randy Vasquez, Edgar Barclay. Done. I mean, done. Done. That's that's done now. I mean, I, I don't think that that's the deal. I think that's a very light deal. Um, I understand Soto was also – it's only one year. The Padres are in a bit of a desperate financial situation, but you're not getting arguably the best – all around hitter in baseball for, you know, a, do- a bullshit Dodgers trade package where they throw a bunch of prospects in there and say, Hey, you know, once upon a time, these guys were pretty good. We don't have any use for them. So you take them. Um, and then the deal blows up in your face. So if this is these, one thing does have me thinking a lot of these proposed deals I'm seeing for Soto are not strong. No. So maybe the market actually is a little bit weakened for him. I don't think it's this week, probably somewhere in the middle. Probably a little, you know, maybe it's an extra prospect from the Mariners. It's a uh, instead of um, instead of Edgar Barclay here in the Yankees deal, you get um, you get Chase Hampton instead. I don't I don't know, um, but yeah, it's got. I feel like it's got to be a little bit more aggressive than what we're seeing. But then again, if this is the competition where the Yankees have. You know, there's very few teams involved in in the Soto trade market because they're distracted by other things. They just they have to outbid above and beyond, and that's the way they have to get it done. Brian Cashman's got to stop hugging his assets. Yeah, I'm tired of reading these Mariners trade packages too. They're always like Bryce Miller in the centerpiece. Bryce Miller, 430 yeah. ERA last year, and and batters hit 250 off him, and he doesn't strike anybody out. Oh, the Mariners can't give up Brian Wu. You know what I thought when I saw Brian Wu in the projected pitchers? You know, list moving forward this summer, automatic win for the opponent. I was like, oh, great. Woo's going. <laughs> like, oh, the Mariners will lose that one. They'll fall further out of the wild card race. These guys are not ready. I don't know why people are coveting the Mariners, um, you know, mid tier. This this felt like when the Yankees got James Paxton, although he was older and more established, but it was like, James Paxton's given us five years of evidence that he's a mid fours ERA guy, high threes, and he never pitches. Sign me up, but it could work for us. The Tobias Funke, like, that eh, never works. <laughs> People convince themselves it works. It never does. It might work for us. Like, James Paxton <laughs> felt like that and was that. Does anybody have fond memories of James Paxton? You, you can lie to me and say that you do, but you don't. 
Um, no. I, I don't. Th- none of these Mariners arms excite me. And I guess the Yankees minor league pitchers are kind of a mystery box because it's like we know that Brian Wu and Bryce Miller look okay at the big league level. We don't know what Chase Hampton looks like, but that's what makes him kind of appealing right now. Yeah. It's sick how it works, like, because you have guys like the Dodgers have a bunch of depreciated assets that I think a lot of teams can capitalize on because some of them debuted and they weren't that great, but they've had good minor league careers and, you know, you could luck out. And then there's all these other teams with these top prospects that you haven't seen anything of. And it's like, oh, yeah, but they didn't they didn't falter at the MLB level. So technically, we think they might be more valuable. That's sometimes the thought process. Um, And the Yankees have, I think, an advantage here. They cleared out the upper levels of the minor leagues. Of, I guess the players that they weren't crazy about over the last two years, they built it back up. Um, whether it's good or not, I don't think is the point. Obviously it's getting some rave reviews from publications and other people aren't convinced, whatever, but there is the element of intrigue and, you know, mystique because you don't know exactly how they'll be able to perform. And it gives, I guess, another rebuilding team, a clean slate. And it's like, okay, this guy has been unencumbered by the pressure uh, he hasn't been thrust into MLB action too early. He hasn't failed at the MLB level yet um, to affect his confidence. So, like, let's take a chance on a package of four of these guys that that have had good minor league careers and have yet to be exposed to the next level. So, I don't know. But either way, if these are the Soto trade packages, it will be unforgivable if the Yankees don't jump the line and pay the price for Soto or even Yamamoto. If Yamamoto wants a couple more million, shouldn't hold the Yankees back. If the, if the Padres want an extra pro pitching prospect or two, shouldn't hold the Yankees back. Uh, if you want to be good in 20, you just got to give to get and the Yankees have to realize. And Brian Cashman said it at his, uh, the press conference too. He's like, yeah, of course you know, he said, he said it previously, like teams don't want to trade with us. It's harder for, it's harder for us to make deals with other teams. And it's like, Okay, great. So then give them a reason to trade with you or else you're just hanging on to a bunch of assets that don't ever develop. And then your team's treading water. Um, and I, look, I don't know what the reality is. I'm not I'm not the GM, not the assistant GM, although I would like to go undercover and like run intern errands. Sure. I feel like I'd be able to get a good gauge, like making photocopy. You think they make photocopies still, actually? I, I do. How, how much salary would you sacrifice to be a mole at the lowest levels of the Yankees? I think I would sacrifice a good deal. Yeah, I would do um yeah, I would do like a uh like one of those elevated internships that were like really appealing out of college. It was like, you know, 30 bucks an hour, mm-hmm. you know, to do this for like three months. It's like, okay, yeah, I can live on that. I could figure that out. Maybe not right now. Like maybe maybe we have to in uh bring the minimum wage up a little bit for for it to work out for my current standing. But yeah, I'd run and get coffees, I'd order the lunches, I'd prepare the accommodations for the winter meetings coming up. Um, I'd make the photocopies. I'd deliver the information to, um, I'd deliver the analytical information to the dugout and tell Aaron Boone too bad. I'm going straight to the players. I'm not mm-hmm. even, I'm not even going to ask you about this, but yeah, I, I, nonetheless, I don't know what's going on, but the, the, the Yankees clearly have had, um, I think a feeling about the trade market because as the years have progressed, there's been more of these calculated deals to like minimize risk and not go for the jugular for a certain player um, or not jump to the front of the line, outbidding everybody with uh, an offer that the, the other team couldn't refuse. And you got to get back to that. The Yankees have a lot of resources. Um, as all of the players have said, every player who has come out and has, they've been critical, but they've hedged their bets, right? They're like, Hey, the Yankees might, we might be uh, misutilizing the information, but guys don't worry we have every resource you could ever imagine. So like all we have to do is do a little bit of a reset, figure out where we're at. And then I think we'll be able to get back on track. So it's like, okay, you're telling me you have all the, all these resources you have, you know, the smallest analytics department in the AL East that still does great work. Okay. You have an owner that is one of the wealthiest in baseball. Okay. You have a farm system that continues to get replenished and whether or not those uh, players are able to, I guess, come up in your own system and, and be homegrown and develop here, I, I guess doesn't matter. But if you're able to cultivate packages and trade them for better players or major league ready talent, then that says something too. So there needs to be, everything kind of needs to come together and, and they need to figure out where they're at. If that means spending an extra few bucks, if that means giving up a couple extra prospects, if that means, you know, throwing caution to the wind on a, on a, a trade acquisition that you just, 
you like and you want to go after and not have to worry about a regression or, you know, injuries or whatever it is, just, you got to do it. You got to just do it. And there's got to be, there's got to be less. um, It it just feels like there's a lot of uh, hesitating. And that's where I think a lot of these deals either fall through or these other teams who are already, I guess, not wanting to do business with the Yankees are like, yeah, of course I don't want to do business with these guys. Cashman's called me back four times today with different packages. I don't want to hear this done. I hate them. I always have. Um, that's what I always say. Anyone who pretends I don't hate the Yankees is lying. If you're not yes. a Yankee fan, you hate the Yankees. So, like, why would the GM of the Pirates be like, I'm going to do these guys a favor? No, he hates them. Everybody grew up hating them or loving them, but not somewhere in between. Um, comments popping off. Shout out to everybody joining us, uh, whether you're here Ooh. from the beginning or late. Um, Stanley asking if we think the Yankees should have traded for Luis Castillo. I think I, I would have I still kept Anthony Volpe out of that deal. Yeah. And, and Jason Dominguez. But if they could have done it without including those two people, absolutely. But I don't I don't regret. I will never regret holding on to elite position player prospects instead of trading them for a volatile pitcher. I don't know if you feel the same way. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, uh, Luis Castillo is great. I think that at the time we did. I mean, before we saw Jason, Jason Dominguez, I was like, trade Jason Dominguez for him. We don't. It's an outfielder. We should be able to replace. Sh- you should be able to print outfielders. It's the. It's it's the most expendable position, and that's nothing against outfielders. There's just the most of that position on the field, um, and you can have like borderline athletes in the corner positions. We've seen it happen here a plenty of time. Like plenty, like Kyle Schwarber, great example. Not really an athlete, can play a hundred games in the outfield and can hit forty home runs. Like that's you can figure you could figure it out. Um, I like Luis Castillo. I don't think that that would have really made a difference for the Yankees um, last year, uh, especially because um, they kind of torpedoed everything by getting rid of Montgomery and then the trade rumors that affected the rest of the team. Um, I mean, if they had just done the Castillo deal, maybe that changes their fortunes. But if we're to look at how they kind of handled everything else, I'm not I'm not so sure of it. Kudos to Seattle. They they had a surplus at a certain position that they didn't deem was necessary to keep, and they dealt from that position of strength. And the Reds said, "Yeah, we're going with this. This is the better deal for us." So it's a great trade. Yeah, at that point, I don't think the Yankees weren't at the point of no return last year when that trade went down. Um, that was last year, right? I'm not losing my mind. Summer 22. It feels like yeah. so long ago. I know it does. The Yankees weren't desperate at that point. It was like, yeah, we need like we need the fuck you move to make sure this team is like ironclad in the postseason. But it's not like now where it's like, you need Juan Soto, you need Yamamoto, you need in theory Shohei, you're not getting him, but you need Shohei Otani. That's how bad the team has gotten. That's how bad all of these moves had have adversely affected the roster. And now you're at the point where it's like, okay, now I have to overbid now I have to figure out how we're going to be super aggressive. Like at that point, it didn't feel like they needed to. They were at a historic pace in the first half. And it felt like, you know, yeah, any addition would have been great, but they didn't have to, they didn't have to get, they didn't have to make themselves uncomfortable for no reason. If the trade deadline was September 1st, yeah, I would say, yeah, give yeah. up probably whatever you needed to for Luis Castillo after you saw what the offense was doing, after you saw the pitching staff regressing a little bit from getting tired. Like, I think that's a different story, but um, at this rate, I mean, he's good. I don't think he's, I, I think if Carlos Rodon is at his peak powers, he's better than Luis Castillo. Well, sad, but I think that's true. Well, instead of making the fuck you move, we made the fuck us move. We got yeah. <laughs> Gave Josh Donaldson more starts. Us. Yeah, well, fuck us. The Yankees asked the, the, Yankees asked the questions we're all not asking. <laughs> sorry, everybody, for the potty mouths. People yeah, were commenting sorry. last show. Um, and fuck you guys for that comment, honestly. <laughs> um, no, thanks for joining us. Uh, comment section is the best. Fans are the best. You know how you know Yankee fans are the best? Because they spent 48 hours this weekend looking at Nestor Cortez's wedding photos and going, hmm, where's Aaron Judge? Very interesting. <laughs> Chapman's there. Donaldson's there. G. Rochelle is there. there. No Aaron Judge. Where's the captain? Where's that leadership? I don't know, man. Like, Why wasn't he, was he probably, best man? He was probably invited. I don't think you go for Remember when Nestor and Mike Talkman and Corey Kluber all went to the Bucks game together before Judge flew to the winter meetings? Yeah. And everybody was like, what does this mean? And it turned out absolutely nothing. He just like 
gave some guys some bucks tickets. Um, I don't think you go from being a part of that group to not being invited to the wedding. Weddings are hard. Hey, show of hands, who here wants to attend their friend's wedding in the middle of November, Thanksgiving weekend? It's a tough one to give up. You're Aaron Judge. The pressure on your gift is astronomical, too. Oh, my God. Nestor opens your card and is like $300. (laughs) Okay. Your thank you note is going to be insincere. Yeah. You're going to get a very boilerplate. Hey, we loved your presence. It made the event what it was. We can't wait to celebrate with you in the new year and many years to come. You're getting a disappointing interaction in that case. So Judge is coming to the wedding. He's giving you he's giving you five thousand dollars and he's giving you a watch, or he's giving you nothing and saying you didn't thank me for the bucks tickets. But I don't think <laughs> I don't think that we need to be judging Judge's character or the relationship between teammates or whatever based on Nestor Cortez's wedding. And I know that because Anthony Rizzo was there, but so was Josh Donaldson, and so was Aroldis Chapman. So interesting friendships, interesting friendships, but certainly a very little bearing on the chemistry of the 2024 Yankees. I am confused as to why Donaldson was there. Any more answers on that? Because I think uh, Donaldson, I think, got uh, Cortez into the Trump rally last week in in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Where is Nestor? I think that was a thank you for getting him into the uh, explosive rally. That's great. Yeah, I don't. It's weird. It's weird. It's a weird crew. I mean, yeah, Judge probably just has shit to do, man. Holiday season. This also this wedding also happened over Thanksgiving weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, exactly. He's a family man. Judge loves his family. He loves Jesus. Um, Probably loves the pilgrims. So he wasn't going to he wasn't. And he lives across the country. I wonder. And Nestor's wedding was probably in what, Florida? Yeah, probably Hialeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't read into it too much, but I yeah, it's weird that Donaldson was there. That's that's going to bother me. Ooh. Trump joke. We we make Trump jokes all the time. You can't take a little Trump joke. Uh so well, we Yeah, it was, he, was at the, he was at the rally. He, he was there. He literally was there. <laughs> Trump joke. He attended that. Uh you know what? I mean, hey, I think this podcast is for a lot of people. We've enjoyed having all of you on the stream. Uh if you're not allowed to mention Trump, that's a tough one. We do it a lot, but uh <laughs> He's running for president. He's a pretty important guy. Um, but thanks uh, for showing up in the comment section, everybody. It's been a good show. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us this today, all off season long, Monday, Thursday, two o'clock Eastern time. Um, it's been a joy as always talking you through this, even though we don't have much to update you on before the winter meetings or the Yankees are, they got some two big North stars who either are going to end up in their laps or the off is going to be really disappointing. They're going to have to regroup for 2025. We have we have that article on lock. If you want to see uh, who's in the twenty twenty five free agency class, they're gonna have to spend bigly. They're gonna <laughs> have a big off season either this year or next. We know. Um, I'll I'll do it for you sometimes, Roberto. But we can't uh, we can't finish uh, every show with a Trump impression. Um, but we'll finish some of them with a Trump impression. Um, <laughs> we're live on a, you're live on YouTube. Like I said, Monday, Thursday, two o'clock Eastern, every baseball player is free to support whoever they're able to support. But would you be commenting if I had said Nestor was at a Joe Biden rally? Hmm, very interesting. Um, <laughs> again, simply where he was, it's the same thing. I you're saying the same thing. I am. You're allowed yeah. to, uh, you know, you're allowed to say where a guy Maybe is. Nestor wasn't there. Maybe he wasn't there. We don't know. Trump he pretended to be there. He tricked Trump. He could have tricked Trump. You don't really, know. Yeah. Ooh, don't, be careful, Thomas. Don't say Trump is trickable. That's going to get people really mad. <laughs> don't insinuate you could trick Trump. Um, well, I like talking about the Yankees, quite frankly. Quite yeah. frankly, we do like talking about the Yankees. So <laughs> I'm going to be talking about the New York Yankees with my friend and co-host, Thomas Carinante, a lot more than we talk in politics for the next year and a half. Um, it's an interesting offseason or a horrible offseason. There is no in-between, but either way, there is plenty to discuss. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel and you like the show, please do hit that button. Give us a like. Give us a thumbs up. If you are not subscribed to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, please join us. Hopefully, future episodes, we got a lot more meat to talk about rather than just uh, you know speculation and hoping that things get in line before the winter meetings start in earnest. I am Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner of Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you? Hey, everybody. I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening, reading, interacting. We're having a great time. Uh, We'll see you again on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here. Uh, Winter meetings start next week. So we got a lot of stuff 
going on, writing about a lot of stuff. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Again, please subscribe to the channel on YouTube. If you want to stay up to date, you want to have fun, um, you come here for the Trump impersonations. Uh, you people apparently to... do. Like People yeah. apparently do come yeah. here. I'll do more impressions, too. I got more in the bank. We just yeah. – it just so happens that Nestor went to a rally like two weeks ago. It was one of the weirdest things that's ever happened that he got publicly shouted. Just imagine if Bill Clinton during the 96 election was like, Graham Lloyd is here. Like, it would have been funny if that happened also. We're just laughing at a weird thing. Uh, oh, yeah, don't forget about the lefty reliever Graham Lloyd. Locked down <laughs> the seventh inning. Paving <laughs> the way for Damaso Marte. So shout out. <laughs> Uh, Sleeper Daily Fantasy. Don't forget, if you want Trump to be your quarterback this week in, in your uh, Daily Fantasy team, go on ahead. You could probably pick him. Um, but yeah, otherwise, guys, we'll talk to you again Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here. Thanks again and take care. Take care, y'all. We'll see you on Thursday. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.